Welcome to Ride Every Stride, episode 28. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I am here this morning with Master Horseman Van Hargis. How you doing, Van? I am wonderful, Laura. How are you? How's everything in North Texas? Well, you know, it's a gorgeous day. The The worst part of my day is that I had to close the windows to record this so the noise wouldn't come in from the street. It's just absolutely gorgeous out. Isn't that recording. amazing? Gosh, I love this time of year because, you know, especially, you know, here in Texas, you know, we, we put up with a tremendous amount of heat. And then when we do get that opportunity to open the windows, turn the AC off. And just feel that fall breeze as it begins to change seasons. It just feels so good. And, you know, we don't get really long. We get really long summers and very short falls. So yeah. it's, it's, we, uh, for folks that don't spend much time in Texas, man, it's a very welcoming thing for us to do that. So I feel your pain for having to close those darn windows. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's what we do. So right. that's all right. Yeah. Well, well, today we were talking before we started recording, and, and interestingly, we sort of changed directions a little bit for this episode. Our awesome producer, John Buchanus, had a question as we were sort of chatting about horses, and so we've invited John to speak up a little bit and join us on this episode. Hey, John. Hey, everybody. Well, thank you very much for inviting me in. My daughter uh, loves horses. She trains horses. She trains thoroughbreds. Uh, that come off the track, and she repurposes them th- for hunting and jumping more English than Western. And my sister is a big fan of horses, and she lives in Georgia, and she uh, volunteers at a barn, and she has a horse there, and she rides. And my sister was talking to me the other day, and she said, you know, that she does a lot of work there, moving the horses in and out, but they're always having problems on at her barn with the horses biting. And I said, well, I'm no rocket scientist, but that can't be good. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, maybe I could ask you, Van, you know, how do you stop a horse from biting? Uh, because they're big and I and they hurt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the technical terminology for it, right, man? They're big exactly. and they hurt. <laughs> they're big and they hurt. And have you seen those chompers they've got? Those are some really big teeth. You're right. You're right, John. It is, uh, and you know, potentially very dangerous. You know, because. Most of the time, horses don't nip or bite at us out of aggression. Most of the time, there is that rare occasion that they do. But let's let's look at for a moment, John, too. Like why, when a horse bites, why does it hurt so bad? Well, number one, they're big animals, like you said, they're really big animals. But what's really weird too is that when they do bite, they don't really know how to release. So when they bite you, the only way to release is when they pull off and they snap off of your skin, and it's like this big giant pinch. And when you consider how big their darn teeth are and how strong they are, it can be a lesson we don't want to learn but once in our life. So um, it is a good thing to avoid. Question is, how do we avoid it? Well, first of all, we have to look at from the horse's perspective. You know, that's kind of a, a thing that's pretty common with my horse training is I, I try to look at it from the horse's perspective. And I always ask the question, why are they biting? And 
sometimes horses bite out of aggression. And if they bite a human out of aggression, that really tells us that either the horse is aggressive by nature or he feels threatened and he's trying to protect himself or for whatever reason uh, he feels threatened and feels the need to protect his territory, which kind of goes into protecting himself, but may not necessarily protecting himself. He might just be protecting his environment. So we need to be very keenly. And what I mean by that, let me, let's go back to protect his environment. Maybe it's a mare that has a foal in her environment and she's trying to protect the foal. So we have to consider what is the situation. Now, it sounds like what your what your sister was talking about, maybe moving the horses from place to place. Maybe these horses are a little bit older. Maybe they're a little bit more experienced type horses. And if, if they're moving them, I just wonder, are they moving them from the stalls to the paddocks, moving from the stalls to the turnout areas? And if they are, maybe the horses just feel good and they just want to play. And there's not a darn thing wrong with a horse wanting to play with us. It's just that we have to realize, man, that's a great big animal, and we're little bitty by comparison. So if they want to play with us, we have to let them know really quickly, very early in our relationship with our horse, what are the rules of playing with us? You know, like, for example, when when my girls were really small, we had certain games and things we could do indoors and certain games and things we could do outdoors. Indoors, they had to do things that were a little bit less rambunctious because there were things in the house that could be broken. Outside, though, they could just pretty well do almost anything they wanted to do. So the horses have to understand that, too. They have to understand that even though we as humans can be very flattered by playing with them, we have to realize that if they play the horse games that they typically want to play, they could really hurt us badly. So we have to really let them know what is acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable behavior, what's acceptable games to play and what's not acceptable games to play. And we have to declare that fairly early so that they don't do something inadvertently that they might do with us that they would otherwise do with a horse that's going to hurt us but wouldn't hurt a horse. Hopefully that makes sense. Now, the other thing is, is that if, if they just want to play, we have to realize too, okay, you can play, but biting is not allowed. And maybe pawing is not allowed. Maybe turning around and kicking and kicking out and expressing yourself physically is not allowed. So they just can't play with us in, in that regard because, again, they're big, strong, fast, hurtful, and they, and they can hurt us. We have to kind of establish some ground rules. The other reason the horse might bite is out of curiosity, and this one is my favorite one because horses go through developmental stages just exactly the way humans do. One of the developmental stages that horses go through that's very similar to us humans is what they call an oral fixation stage. And if you consider horses compared to us humans, you know, we've got fingers and we've got touch. We can reach out and touch things and feel things and, and learn about things by the way they feel. We learn about things by the way they, by the way they look. Uh, we learn about things by the way they smell. And we learn about things by the way they taste. And just like every little bitty infant goes to the stage of every time they see something they like, they pick it up with their hands and they shove it in their mouth and they give it a big old taste. Well, horses are very much the same, except for they're a bit of a handicap. Even when they want to feel things, they have to feel it with their muzzle. They have to feel it with their face because they don't have fingers. They can't reach out and touch those things. So they want to touch it with their mouth. And then oftentimes when they touch it with their mouth, that triggers that oral fixation stage, which is, hey, it kind of feels kind of cool. I wonder what it wonder what it tastes like. And they taste it. Now, the bad thing is if it's us they're tasting, that might be a bit hurtful and painful. So we have to realize then that we don't necessarily want to take away the horse's curiosity, but how can we turn that potentially hurtful situation into something that could be beneficial for us? 
How can we satisfy the horse's curiosity but not make him head shy because every time he nibbles or bites at us, we whack him or do something like that? What can we do? And the answer, in my opinion, is this. If we understand that a horse is maybe nibbling or biting at us out of curiosity, maybe I can take my fingers and run it in the horse's mouth, right around the corner of the horse's mouth, and potentially even run it in and start running my finger over their tongue. Maybe run two or three fingers over their tongue and let them get a big taste. In other words, I really want them to taste me as much as they want to taste me. What I'm looking for, though, is that opportunity for the horse to kind of relax a little bit when I do that. And the moment that he does, I'll just quit. So in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, if you want to taste, I'm going to give you a great big taste. Now, why do you think I'd be giving the horse a big taste? Just so he'll find out what I taste like? No, there's another benefit to that. And the other benefit is, is that most people today, when we deworm our horses, we use some sort of dewormer that comes in a little bitty tube and we put it up in the corner of the horse's mouth and we squirt it in their mouth along their jawline. And I'm surprised at how many people that I run into that have a very difficult time in getting that process done. That same person will usually drop a hint about themselves that, yeah, my horse is kind of nibbling at me. Oh, really? What do you do when your horse nibbles at you? Oh, I whack him in the face. Hmm. Gee, I wonder why the horse is difficult to deworm. <laughs> you see, because they kind of wonder then, you know, is, is this friend or foe? Are you going to whack me or are you going to you going to deworm me? So we want to kind of think in terms of things that we might do with our horses in the future that might pose to be detrimental for us if we're whacking them in the face all the time. So rather than whacking them in the face or making us too uncomfortable when the horse nibbles on me or does that sort of thing, I'll turn that into a positive. Run my fingers in his mouth, run my fingers over the over his tongue, get him used to having his muzzle and his tongue handled so that whenever I deworm the horse, it becomes a much easier process to do. The other thing that we do a lot with the horses is we we put a bit in their mouth. So again, I want to get the horse very comfortable about letting me handle their muzzle in that regard. So I try to turn a negative into a positive instead of punishing the horse every time he nibbles at me and bites me. I'll just pause, use that as a training opportunity, run my fingers in there, satisfy the horse's curiosity, and at the same time, I'm preparing me to be dewormed and preparing the horse to be bitted at a later date. Let me ask a question, Van. You talked sure. a couple minutes about young horses and the stages that they go through and that oral fixation. And that makes, you know, as the mom of five kids, I, that makes total sense to me. And, you know, the whole comparison with little ones that put everything in their mouth. And so that makes sense, the process that you were just describing in terms of just using that as a teaching opportunity to, to mess with their mouth and have them get used to having people messing with their mouth. Is the process any different or is the motivation any different when you're dealing with an older horse that's maybe just developed a bad habit of biting for one reason or another? Sure. That's actually a very good question. It's very applicable because when you consider the horses that that John's sister might be working with, they're probably not really young horses. I mean, they could be, but I'm I'm just kind of envisioning more of a training type stable or more of a boarding type stable. And probably those horses are probably a little bit older and maybe beyond that quote unquote oral fixation stage. So then I have to ask myself, then why would the horse logically be biting or nipping? And more times than not, it's because they're just being playful. You're just another toy to them and they just want to play. So in that case, I don't want to necessarily whack them 
because I don't want them to be thinking that every time they nibble or bite or whatever else, they're going to get in really big trouble. The only time I get really assertive and really aggressive in that situation is if the horse is aggressive, um, because I don't want to, again, damage that horse's curiosity. So I'll go back to another thing. I, I do what I call take candy away from the baby. In other words, or I make the candy ball, which is me, a little bit less accessible. And that's not always moving me because then the horse is training me to get out of its space. But maybe I can make my space less comfortable to be in. Because here's again, you know, why is a horse biting me? Because he can. I'm, I'm close enough that he can. So what can I do to get him away? So every time the horse nibbles at me, I'll kind of put it to the horse. You've lost your privilege to stand so close to me. So I'll move the horse away. How do I do that? I become obnoxious. In other words, I'll move, I'll wiggle, I'll do whatever it takes to make the area around me very uncomfortable. For example, I won't hit a horse, but I'll swing my arms. If the horse is stupid enough to step in the area that I'm swinging my arms, I didn't hit him. He just ran into the fan blade. Does that make sense? You know, not that I want a kid to get hurt, but you want to teach a kid to quit poking his fingers in a fan blade, turn the fan on and watch what happens when he pokes his finger in there. He's going to do that once and he's going to quit. So the same thing happens with a horse. I'm going to move my swing, my arms around or swing my lead rope around. In other words, make the immediate area close to me at least close enough where the horse could reach over and nibble and bite on me, make that area uncomfortable. When the horse settles and he calms and he no longer wants to use me as a plaything, then I'll get really quiet and really still, and I might reach up and touch the horse and rub on it, pet on it. In other words, I'm going to reward the positive behavior that I want, but when it's not the behavior that I want, then I'm going to become a little bit more obnoxious. I think I know the answer to this, but just for the listener who may be wondering, how is what you were just describing different from the kind of traditional wisdom, and I'm, I'm using air quotes there, that I've certainly heard people say to, you know, whack them in the face when they bite you. It's about spirit and intent. And you'll hear that from me a lot when I'm training with people. What's the spirit and intent of your actions? In other words, if, if I'm moving towards somebody with the intent of punching them in the nose, so to speak. That's one thing. But if I'm just kind of moving my arms around and that guy runs into my hand, that's a whole different deal. In other words, I'm just protecting my area, my space. So in, in this particular case, I'm not being the assertive, aggressive one. I'm not going after the horse. I'm allowing the horse to make his own mistake. You're not punishing the horse. I'm not you're, punishing the horse. I'm really kind of setting the yourself. horse. Right, exactly. And I'm really kind of setting the horse up to, to punish himself. You know, again, if he sticks his finger in the fan blade, it's probably going to get whacked. So I mean, we're just kind of setting that situation up to happen. But at the same time, I'm also realizing, you know, I'm still training the horse. So the very second the horse settles and calms and gets relaxed, in other words, I'm always looking for the behavior that I want. And the minute that I get the behavior that I want, if, if I'm swinging my arms or swinging my lead rope or or whatever to make my immediate area uncomfortable, the minute the horse settles and no longer tries to invade my space, I just settle and I stop swinging my lead rope or I start stop swinging my arms. I stop making myself so uncomfortable to be around. And after a while, the horse realized, hey, you know what? If I want to hang out by van, all I've got to do is just be quiet and calm and relaxed. But every time I get goofy and I lose control of my emotions, he kind of bugs me. He's kind of obnoxious to be around. So again, in order to be around me, it's, it's, I want the horse to understand, hey, it's a privilege for you to be this close to me. And, uh, and when you are this close, just be nice you know, and, and be polite. We have to set rules. We have to set standards. Now, the weird thing is, is that 
you know, I don't like for horses to reach out and touch me um, because that's that that's like they're taking me for granted. They're they're thinking that it's okay. But at the same time, after we work with our horses a while and we develop a relationship, and I trust him and he trusts me or her, whatever the case may be, I, I look at it as if we've been dating for a while. And you know, I, I remember the very first date I ever went on where I was actually driving. I was driving my truck, and um, I was quite happy. For the girl to sit on the other side of the truck, I was kind of afraid for her to get any closer. Uh, <laughs> and but it was weird because as the date progressed, I noticed my seat got narrower because she got a little closer. And then after we had a few dates, I noticed that we she sat kind of like in the middle of the truck. And man, after we had been dating for a few months, buddies would be asking us, "Man, something wrong with your power steering? Because your girlfriend's sitting so close, she could be helping you drive that darn truck." But see, over time, we developed trust, so we closed the gap. For example, and you've probably seen it, uh, and I don't recommend it to everybody, but um, I've got a little thing that I did, started doing with my Gilding scooter many, many years ago, mainly just because I thought it was cute and my daughters loved it, is that I'll say, Scooter, you want to give me kisses? And he gets this incredibly soft look in his face, and he raises his nose up, and he touches me on the cheek, and he just wibble, wiggles his nose on my cheek as if he's kind of nuzzling me. Mm-hmm. But even then, Lauren, I, I, you know, I, I know horses, and I know this. Every horse bites. Every horse kicks. Every horse bucks. You know, you, you've heard me say that before. So why would I let a horse, if I know that every horse bites, why would I let a horse get that close to my cheek or my ear to where if he reached up and bit me, either, either out of curiosity or otherwise, that it could be extremely painful and he could disfigure my face or rip my ear off. Why would I do that? Because we've learned to develop trust. And even then with that trust, I still have boundaries yeah. and the boundaries are this. He can do that all day long, but if I hear him open his mouth and I listen very carefully for that smack sound. And if I hear that, he loses a privilege to be that close to me and I move him away and bless his heart. You can just look on his face like, Oh man, and then he'll quietly ask if he can come do it again. And I'll allow him to do that again until I hear him break the rules. And the rules are pretty simple. He can touch my face. He can nuzzle me until he breaks the rules. When I hear his lips open, then he loses that privilege. So over time, what I'm saying is over time, we can develop a relationship with him to where we can do things that are okay. And we can do things that otherwise might not be allowed with horses that we don't have that sort of relationship with. Well, in all of this, and, and I've I've seen that happen with between you and Scooter, and it, it's it's pretty neat to watch. But I mean, all of this, the rules you're talking about, and the the terminology you're using about the horse having the privilege or losing the privilege to be close to you, this is not a matter of dominance. It's a matter of using your big brain, your larger brain, to keep yourself safe. Exactly. I mean, just think about, you know, if you've really worked hard with your horses, develop some sort of relationship and they're going to want to be close to you if you're their leader. It's just natural. They're going to want to do that. They're going to want to play with you. They're going to want to hang out with you. They're going to want to give you kisses, so to speak. Because that's so, what horses do with their leaders. Exactly. I mean, they, well, even like little kids, you know, I mean, I used to love it when I'd come home, you know, from being away for a few days, or I'd love it when I was at the ranch or at the barn and I'd come in the house and the girls come running to you. You know, you, every parent kind of loves that and they love that. Now, why do they 
come running to you because you're their dad or you're their mom and you're the leader of the household. And they, they like that. They want to bridge that gap. They want to be close to you. Um, I used to love to go hang out with my uh, high school football coach. So every time he was around, if he was in the room, I'd go talk to him. Why? Because I respected him. He was my leader. Same way in college. I'd always go hang out with Coach Hawkins, my high school or my college coach. Every time he was in the room, I'd, I'd migrate toward him because I respected him and I wanted to be closer to him. So the same thing happens with us. If we're really good leaders with our horses, they're going to want to hang out. But even then, I'm not going to go tell a dirty joke in front of Coach Hawkins. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to lose his respect for me just because I want to hang out with him. And I don't want him to think, gosh, that Hargis kid, every time he comes around, you know, he's kind of obnoxious to be around. So I want to act in a way that has him to want me to be there. Well, the same thing occurs with my horses. I want to be respectful enough and, and respectable enough that the horses want to spend time with me. So if I go catch them and I'm leading them someplace, I want them to hang out there. But I also want them to understand the rules. You know, there's no cussing, no swearing, no drinking, no biting, no kicking, no that sort of thing. So I want the horse to understand what are my rules. But in order for the horse to understand that, we just have to quietly establish those rules. And then the horse begins to realize, hey, hanging out here, I've got to act this certain way. And yet you always have to remember as you say many, many times, I've heard you say, they're still a horse and they're still going to do the things that horses do. And when horses, as you've already said today, when they bite, often when they kick, when they you know move their weight into something, it's not necessarily malicious. It's no. just those are the things that horses do. And we, as the human beings, need to be aware of those things. Exactly. You know, and, and I got to tell you, sometimes when I'm playing with really young horses or even some older horses that are just you know, feeling good and they're romping and playing and they really want to play. I got to tell you, I'm honored by that. But at the same time, I'm thinking, man, I really don't want that dude to rear up on me like he reared up on that other horse. I really don't want him to, to turn around and play kick because a play kick to another horse might be one thing, but a play kick to me can knock me out. Um, you know, that, that little nibble that they might do with another horse might feel pretty good to those guys. But, man, that would hurt our little tender skin. So we just have to realize we can be honored by it. but We have to realize, man, we got to protect ourselves. And the best way to protect ourselves is just kind of create that little boundary around us and just kind of look at those horse men, bless your heart. I really am honored that you want to play with me, but dude, I just can't play that rough of a game. So we ha- we, we do have to establish those ground rules so that the horses don't inadvertently hurt us. Cause I don't, I've really seen Laura very few times that horses have actually hurt people. When they hurt people, it's usually because we're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's our fault. Um, and even fewer times, I mean, I can really count on just one hand that I've seen horses get aggressive toward a human being. And in all honesty, what few times I've seen it, the human being needed it. I mean, one of them was my stepfather many years ago, and there was part of me, I didn't want to see him get hurt, but at the same time, I'm thinking, dude, you needed to learn that lesson. (laughs) Yeah, well, and and I guess to circle back to where we began before we, as we start to wrap this episode up, what I really like about the technique that you've talked about in terms of, you know, getting back to the question that John asked on his sister's behalf about biting and the the technique that you've talked about for dealing with that. What what I love about that is it really is a way to help uh, prepare our horses and get them better at doing those things that we have to do with them every day that lots of people that I know have trouble with, whether it's getting a bit 
in their mouth because you know they raise their head up or whatever or deworming and you know i don't mind saying i've worn my fair share of dewormer you know from (laughs) trying to get it into my horse's mouth and it ends up more of it on me than in the horse's mouth and so (laughs) that's what i love about this that it's taking something that a horse is doing just acting naturally and turning it into a teaching opportunity to help them help make it easier for us to do those daily things that we have to do with our horses right absolutely now and also, I just want people to be very aware too. Just use good judgment. Look at the horse. Learn to read their body language and and determine: Are they playing? Are they being aggressive? Why is the horse reaching out to bite me? And if we can make that assessment, and again, very rarely is it really bad behavior. It it could be rude behavior. But rude behavior doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It could be unsafe for us. And if it's unsafe for us, we need to do whatever it takes to kind of make those those adjustments. But, man, always look for those opportunities. I think I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Always look for those opportunities to turn a negative situation into something productive. Turn it into something positive, if, yeah. if possible. Yeah. Great advice. Very helpful. Um, I'm guessing some listeners may have some thoughts or some questions about that. And, uh, you know, we can certainly address those in future episodes. If, uh, if you're listening to this and this is helpful to you, or if you have questions to follow up on some of the things that Van has talked about in this episode, he would love to answer those questions, either via email or maybe in a future episode. So you can reach out to Van a number of ways with your questions, your comments, your suggestions. There is, I believe, a place in the show notes where you can comment on this episode on the website, or you can go to the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page and post a question or a comment there. Van watches that and responds to to every comment or every question that's that's posted on that Facebook page. If you have a question or a comment that you want to share less publicly, you can email those to info at vanhargis.com and Van will get that message and will respond to you. You bet. Because I know you love hearing from listeners. I do. You bet. Yeah. If you found this episode helpful, if you're liking the podcast, uh, we would love it if you would help spread the word. First of all, tell a friend about the podcast and show them how to subscribe. And second of all, if you would take a minute or two to leave a review in iTunes, look for Ride Every Stride in iTunes. And uh, there's just a little tab you can click there to leave a sentence or two, a a five-star rating if you think the show is worth it and a couple of sentences about what you like about the show that helps other people find it and it also gives van feedback that he values in determining where to go next in the show a couple of quick announcements Um, van you were talking before we started recording about an opportunity for people to work with you directly i mean you go out you'll you'll go places and and do clinics if people are interested in hosting a clinic in their community or having you appear at their horsemanship event they can email info at vanhargis.com to find out what it takes to get on you know get on your schedule but you were talking about an opportunity that you make available to people to actually come to where you are and work with you at at your ranch you bet well talk about that Absolutely. Well, first of all, Laura, we live down in Victoria, Texas. It's probably the most historic area uh, in Texas. And I don't mean disrespectful to all the other parts of the state, but I mean, man, when Texas was becoming a state, 
and prior to that, it's, it all happened right down in here. So it's really cool. So we, we, we love to have people come and spend time with me. And then, of course, we, we incorporate a little tour of the area while they're down here. But we would love for folks to come and spend some time with us. Uh, we, we like it in, in very small groups, you know, husband and wife teams, a couple of different people, or even individually. They can come and spend some time at the ranch, pay us a very nominal fee. They spend two to three to three and a half days with us. Uh, it's very intensive. I mean, it's almost like having you know, an all day riding lesson or like a little mini clinic. That's just me and you and your horse or, and we just recently had a guy come out of New York, spent the, almost a whole week with us and he just rode our horses. And, um, he had a blast. He he rode different horses at different levels. And then we finally put him on one of the horses that was one of our top show horse type horses. And he just had an absolute blast. And we want other people to come and get that kind of experience. And um, so we welcome that. And it's, a, like I said, it's a very nominal fee. It's very affordable. Um, we can do different things. It's all inclusive, or we can do things that uh, let them stay at their favorite hotel room and do it a little bit differently. But either way, we really want to extend an invitation for people to come down and spend some time with us here at the ranch and work with us on a daily basis to kind of see what we do every day with every different situation with a horse, and most importantly, very specifically address the questions and concerns that you have on your horsemanship journey. Yeah, so whether you're a professional who wants to advance your skills by working with a master horseman, or you're a beginner who wants to learn to ride better and learn to work better with your horse, or anywhere in between on that spectrum, this is a great opportunity to have some serious one-on-one time with a great horseman and a great teacher. So email uh, info at vanhargis.com for more information about the details, the pricing, the scope of what they do. Definitely reach out and see if that's something that would work for you. And finally, before we wrap up, Van, you have been, we've been talking, golly, for almost as long as I've known you about something, an offering that you wanted to make to people that has finally come to fruition, is finally available. Tell us about the Van Hargis Top Hand Club and what you've done with that now, finally, after all these years. <laughs> exactly. We, well, you're right, Laura. It's, it's been something I've wanted to do for a long time. Quite frankly, I didn't know if I had the expertise or the way to make it happen. And and uh, it's, it's like anything else. We just kept our nose to the grindstone, shoulder to the wheel, and now we just have a rounded shoulder and a pointed nose. No, we finally got it done. And, um, and I want the listeners to understand too that the Top Hand Club is a, is an opportunity for people to buy my products at a at a big discounted rate. Uh, they can go to our clinics at, at discounted rates. Uh, we're we're trying to make it as valuable as possible. It's a whopping four dollars and ninety five cents a month for people to to join. We've tried to throw out some incentives. One of the incentives is we did a bit. Uh, DVD a long time ago, and I'm not going to tell anybody what the problem is, but there was a problem with the DVD, and I just wouldn't release it to to be uh, released for sale. So what we did was is that we're going to make that DVD available to the first thousand members, uh, the top hand members, and they get that DVD for free. And if they can tell us what's wrong with the DVD then they get to buy the Ranch Horse Versatility DVD series at half price. So just for joining, they already get the bit-by-bit DVD, which is all about bits and bidding and what the nomenclature is of bits, I guess you could say, what their uses are. Very, very informative DVD. Um, They get that one for free when they join. And then, of course, if they can tell me what's wrong with that DVD, then they get 
the Ranch Horse Versatility DVD series at half price. So already we've more than covered almost a year's worth of of a membership to the Van Hargis Top Pan Club. And there's a lot of other things. We, we, we're going to be releasing a newsletter. As a matter of fact, it'll be out in just a couple of days. The other thing I want folks to realize, though, Laura, that this is their club. So I want these folks to tell me as this club progresses and as we get better and as our membership grows, we want people to tell us what sort of information that they want and what sort of information that we can provide them so that they get the greatest value possible out of becoming a Van Hargis Top Hand member. The other thing that I want to just touch on briefly, you don't just get the DVD, you don't just get the Ranchor's versatility thing. We will be providing almost like an endless library of little short video clips that will answer very specific questions or address very specific topics. And this is going to be an ongoing, continually growing library uh, because, again, we just want people to have their questions answered and have their concerns addressed. And I can't think of a better way to do it than to spend a measly $4.95 to do that. And that's available for the first thousand members. And those are going to be our first charter members. So we're really excited about it, Lauren. Like you said, it's been a long time coming. I'm very excited about doing it. And I'm, and I need the help of our people that do join help me make it better every day, just like our podcast. The way the podcast gets better is if we get the feedback and then you and I can put something together that is going to satisfy the needs and the wants of our listeners. So we we need their input and we're so, so grateful for that input and we're so, so grateful for the listeners. I'm real happy for you to finally have been able to launch the Top Hand Club. If uh, listeners are interested in this, they can find out more about it by visiting the website at vanhargis.com and click on the button or the link about to the Top Hand Club. This is, as he mentioned, a, a subscription service, basically. It's a membership site with all these resources that are going to be available only to members of the Top Hand Club. And uh, you need to understand four ninety five a month is a bargain for the kinds of things that Van has in mind for this club and the continually growing resource library that will be there and the various discounts that are going to be available to you. And that four ninety five a month price is only for the first, you know, the charter members. So you don't want to miss out on this if it's uh, if you like the thing the way Van teaches. This is your chance to get in at the beginning of the top hand club. Club and get all the benefits of it. The price won't go up for you as long as you remain a member. But if you miss the opening, you know, deal for the charter members, the price is going to go up substantially over time. So check that out. Go to vanhargis.com, check out the Top Hand Club, join and tell your all, all your horsey friends to join after you do, so you make sure you get the, the lowest price. I think that's it, Van. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up? You know, I want to say a big thank you to John. He's the producer. Great question today, John. Thank you for sharing that with us. And and we, we hope that helps your sister a little bit. And, and again, thank you so much to our listeners. And Laura, we couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for all that you do for the Ride Over Stride podcast. And to the listeners, I just want you to remember that it's your ride. It's your trail. It's your journey. So ride every stride. Ride every stride.